It's happy hour again from Uptown New Orleans at the lovely Collins Hotel. Hello, I'm Grant Morris. In the next 60 minutes, you'll get to meet just how many? Five of the many thousands of fascinating people who live in New Orleans. And you'll get to hear some live music as well at the end of the show. You might conclude New Orleans is a great city where people love to talk, have fun, and enjoy great music. But you probably know that already. So let's get right on with doing nothing. But enjoying the next 60 minutes of happy hour together, my eclectic bunch of guests sitting around the table today are none other than Rhonda Finley who's an author, a clothing designer, and the proprietor of quirky New Orleans clothing and toy stores, Fun Rockin' and Pop City, which Rhonda describes as dime stores for the 21st century. This is the 21st century, um, We're in it. Okay, we're, we're there. We're open. Rhonda opened the stores in 2000, the same year her book, New Orleans Unleashed, was published about the adventures of a half chihuahua, half blue healer's wild romp through New Orleans. Originally from Little Rock, Arkansas, Rhonda lives in the Bywater with two of her own dogs and a cute terrier that's looking for a home. Right on. Very good. Well, maybe we can find a home for That would be so great. Okay. <laughs> you have to, to move right in. I can move there, right oh, in. That's beautiful. Blake Thank Haney you. is sitting over here on my left. Blake is a New Orleans native with a love for his hometown that date back, dates back to before it was fashionable. Blake runs a design studio called the Canary Collective and founded local clothing company Dirty Coast when he coined the post-Katrina slogan, Be a New Orleanian wherever you are. There's no one listening to this who has not heard that. Because to date, Blake has given away over 2 million stickers with that slogan on them and designed and printed over 80 novel-centric t-shirts that managed to be clever inside jokes, insightful commentary, and affectionate observations about New Orleans all at the same time. Hey, That, should, like be, that, that should be my obituary. That should be, <laughs> could you fit that on a gravestone? Blake was in a car wreck, and then you just proceeded to do that. Are you intending to be cremated or buried? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that new ammunition thing. Well, they just they put, you in, they put, put you, you in bullets. Yeah. Wow. Like Hunter Thompson. Yeah. They shot him somewhere, right? Uh, okay, Blake lives in the Lower Garden District with his wife, Susan, who owns the House of Lounge, lingerie store. And four dogs, <laughs> one of each size, it says here. And, oh, that's the end of the Mitch Foreman music for right now. Sitting across from me are, collectively, Pony Space, otherwise known individually as Caleb Giot, Romy Kay, and Craig Kaliva. Hey, you guys. Hey. hey. All right, Pony Space is a four-member acoustic singer-songwriter ensemble based here in New Orleans. We're only missing one person. Who's missing? Uh, Elizabeth Gill. Uh, Where is she? Glue. Well, she actually does a medical interpretation for the deaf, so she's a signed interpreter, but specializes with really complicated medical stuff. She would have been a great guest to have on a radio show. I know. Too. She does radio all the time. What a shame <laughs> that you couldn't bring her along. But you're, the voice you're listening to there is Caleb Giot, who is the former frontman and driving force behind one of New Orleans' most popular pop bands, Dead Eye Dick. Caleb and Dead Eye Dick had a nationwide hit in 1994 with a song called New Age Girl. God, that was a long time ago. It now. was. That's 18 years ago. And you and I were hanging out then. Can That's you believe it? And you still look exactly the same, and I look even younger. You do. I know. You it's amazing. Fabulous. Craig Caliva is a former member of the New Orleans band Psychedelic Attestant and the Eddie Red Band and is a frequent contributor to Egg Oak Jubilee, yes. both as a guitarist and trumpet player. That's correct, yes. That's a pretty good... Uh, this is well-written, all this stuff here, I must say. And Romy Kay is a standardized patient program. Well, I, I work at, <laughs> I'm actually a jazz and blues singer and Pony Space member first. And then I work at Tulane Medical School for the Standardized Patient Program. And we do training and assessment of professional clinical skills for medical students. So this is, kind of, a, this is kind of a medical type band, this Pony Space. Yeah. Should be called Medical Space. Right. And, then, and I do demolition, so. Do you really? Yeah. You do demolition during C- the day? C- concrete, yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. Concrete cutting and demolition, yes. Who for? A company that I started in 05 uh, called Specialty Demolition. I sold it in 2010 and still run it for the, the new owner. Who owns it now? Who uh, a guy it? named uh, Kenny Tam. Kenneth Tam. So there's know. a whole sort of 
take over business in the concrete and demo world as well. It's That's not just right. tech. That's right. What, but what made you think about doing concrete? Um, you know, I've been doing demolition since 95, before Katrina. Uh, worked for a company for about 10 years. We tore down about 150 houses a year. Um, Are you strong? The, am I strong? He's extremely sure. strong. Very strong. <laughs> yeah. Have you had a fight with him, Caleb? <laughs> no, no. We're peace-loving, but he lifts shit for yes, me all the time. Right. <laughs> wow. And, um, what about arm wrestling? I, just, uh, uh, I can do arm wrestling, sure. <laughs> Blake, you up for it? Blake is I don't think strong. I can arm Blake looks pretty strong. I don't want to arm wrestle Blake. No. So, I do great against Let's my eight-year-old. Let's do this. <laughs> Let's do it. We'll arm wrestle for the first pizza of pizza. Oh, we have pizza here. Do you, are you guys hungry? You want to eat anything? Yes. Okay. I think, I think we have several. Hungry. This is the sound okay. of chewing yeah, this is on the radio, <laughs> which everyone loves. When's the last time anybody went to slice pizzeria around here? Um, two weeks ago for yeah. me. Two yeah. weeks. Rhonda? Yeah, probably in the last month. Because you're on Magazine Street. Slice I am on, on Magazine, Magazine Street. Street. Blake's on Magazine Street. Well, you're on Magazine Street, too. You're right across from Slice, actually, Blake. About block down, yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty close. I live all the way in Elger's Point, and I swing by the Slice on St. Charles and pick up a pie on my way home about twice a month. Do you really? <laughs> I do. Which one do you get, Romy? Uh, I get the one that has... a. It's prosciutto, arugula, and gorgonzola. Oh, my goodness. It's so delicious with a glass of red wine. That does sound good. Well, here you get to have a slice of... Bill, come over. Here's Bill here's here from Slice and can tell us exactly what it is. Excellent. I'd be glad to. Come on. Uh, share my microphone. <laughs> Ooh, this is, this is a little bit romantic, actually. <laughs> Bill. This, is, this is awfully close. <laughs> Uh, This is our shrimp and andouille pizza made with fresh Creole country andouille, sweet corn, caramelized onions, and fresh Gulf shrimp. Mm. Mm. You sound like like you're on the radio. (laughs) Now, you know, I did also bring you, uh, it's our house-made meatball Parmesan sub. Uh, We put a little of our fresh uh, mozzarella on top, and uh, we melt that over a nice... Uh, a symphony of crackle with our uh, New Orleans French bread. When you say we, what do you actually do there, Bill? Um, I, I am the, the, the face guy that stands in the back and smiles and says hi and serves pizza. Really? You ever thought about going into concrete and demolition work? Um, I probably have the face for it. You look pretty strong. <laughs> you look too strong to be working in a pizza place. It takes a tough man to make a tender pizza. So what, are you, what do you actually do? That You don't do anything there. Is that what no, you're saying? Everyone else cooks and waits tables and you just hang about? Essentially, essentially. It's almost like the bar fly that never leaves but somehow manages to get paid. Isn't it, it's amazing how many people have a great job and I don't. How do you get a job like that? Uh, copious begging. Copious begging. Well, what is the secret though? How do you get a job where you do nothing except hang out at a pizza place all day and then you come down to the Collins Hotel once a week with a pizza? Well, you make sure it's very, gig. very good. That's how you do it. Essential. Okay, well, you're not going to tell me anything. All right. Well, <laughs> thanks for bringing the pizza down. The uh, slice is at, there's two locations of slice, actually. One's at 1513 St. Charles Avenue down by Lee Circle, and the other's up on Magazine Street at 5538, right by the Whole Food Company and across from Dirty Coast. <laughs> That's the sound of Blake Haney eating pizza from Dirty Coast. Uh, if you want to check out Slice Pizzeria online, their website is slicepizzeria.com. There you go. So, okay. Who's got some? Tell me what it tastes like, everybody. It's really good. It's warm. It's meaty. There's vegetables. Mm. <laughs> the, the crust is really nice and just, just right. Can this prevent us getting... No one else is eating it, so I'm going to eat a now, pizza. What's up with everybody? Well, Bill is, we have to sing. Bill is too slow. Oh, you don't want a pizza till after you sing? Really? Does it fuck up your voice if you yeah. eat pizza? You really can't eat anything before you sing. Not right before. Not right Not before. Right. I generally don't even sing. I don't eat about four or five hours before I sing. 
Well, I he, guess he hasn't we'll eaten be, all day. I guess we'll be here for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> this is some really fucking good pizza. This is a trippy pizza, man. It's sweet. Mm. And it's, it's I, got shrimp I, Actually, on I've it. never had this. I'm kind of a straightforward, just put some cheese and pepperoni on my pizza and some jalapenos. This is so trippy. Who created this? Um, honestly, that's from our owners. The owners are the same owners that own Juan's Flying Burrito. So um, this is leftover stuff from Wands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no wonder I like it. I really like Wands, yeah, actually. They're, they're honestly really wonderful people. And, uh, and to be perfectly honest, I think the quality of the food comes out because of the people that we work with. When you really care about the people that you serve, honestly, it really makes a much better product. We use oh, fresh local come everything. on, dude. That's crazy. <laughs> you mean if someone goes to work pissed off, the food's going to taste like shit? Uh, I would venture to say yes. Well, we'll have to do an experiment to find out. <laughs> Call up the guy who made that and let's see how happy he is today, shall we? I think this person was really happy. It looks, actually, it Don't does, you think, Blake? It does look very this happy. This podcast is great. We're all <laughs> drunk and eating food. Yeah. It should be the best podcast ever. It couldn't ever. get any better than this. And it's live yeah. on the internet, apparently, somewhere as nice. well. Nice. Apparently. When do we get to the point where we say all of Carlin's seven words? You can start right now if you like. Okay, I already said. In the description of the pizza, that's great. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Motherfucking great pizza. Motherfucking great pizza. <laughs> what else? What are the other seven words? Shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, tits. All right. Wow. Guess okay, podcast Caleb. is over. See yeah. everybody later. All right. <laughs> Caleb, how the hell do you know that? George Carlin. You're really a big George Carlin fan. Well, I mean, oh. I'm really old, so I was around when, you know. He likes when comedy. He was, when he was, he was alive. Guy, when he was the guy. Yeah. What's your favorite bit? You, do you, can you do any bits? No, no. And you know what? When I was listening to him, I wasn't nearly as uh, concentrating on learning the text of the bit or anything like right. that. I was just enjoying the moment. I, I'm one of these people. I really do. Like Craig mentioned, I love comedy. I enjoy like a mediocre stand-up. So great stand-ups kill me. You know, I love Aziz Ansari or Doug Benson. Are you an easy moment. audience? You laugh at anything? I think I'm an easy audience, although not as much for the comedian because I, I don't necessarily laugh uproariously. They're amusing the hell out of me, but I might be looking poker face, but I'm right. having the best time. Isn't so I'm not the best audience, but I'm having a great time. Blake, you're like that. You don't laugh out loud a lot either, right? But you're amused. Too busy chewing. I'm a very serious person. <laughs> I know, you are very serious. Where do you think that comes from, from your education? And I was beaten. <laughs> By other kids? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> okay. Where did you go to school? Here in New Orleans, right? I went to a Trinity Episcopal School, then Jesuit, and then Swanee. Yeah. So you went to Jesuit, you went to the Episcopal School, Episcopal School, and a Catholic school. Yeah. And you still turned out like this. Yeah. What went so wrong? Um, well, I was corrected in college with. Uh, I was uh, under the influence that smoothed out all my wrinkles caused by wearing khaki clothing and name tags and. Catholic education, and yeah, and shiny black shoes. Oh, shiny black shoes, no beard, haircuts. <laughs> Don't forget my name tag. That's right, name tag, very key. Also, Jesuit alumni, Caleb. Yeah. Yes. Oh wow. Okay. Yes. Way before you. See, we're both okay. I think. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, and I love my. I love Jesuit. I had the best time, but I, I come from a really liberal, agnostic family, so I wasn't getting that crap. Why'd they send you to Jesuit if you come from a liberal agnostic family? Because it's a great school. Yeah? Yeah, you got a great education. Yeah, a fantastic education. And now you're a guitar player. And, uh, well, strangely enough, like, I think going to, going, to, <laughs> going to Jesuit meant you had to take Catholic classes, religion classes, which, and the Catholic, I guess the Jesuits are all about sort of somewhat free thinking and philosophy, and we had philosophy club, and they introduced me to coffee, which was amazing. <laughs> And uh, but the, I thought the, you were going to say Kafka. But. The religion classes actually were the first time I actually could get into dialogue about free will and these sorts of things Absolutely. that you wouldn't get anywhere else. 
which led to me being a philosophy major and, you know, being an atheist and Buddhist and whatnot. So it didn't work on me, but it worked on me. It, well, it, it opened your mind. I didn't convert. I, it pushed me in the other direction. It's like a, it's like a pool balls. I just well, my dad, my dad went to Jesuit, and he said he, uh, he quit the Catholic religion after going to Loyola and taking Catholic apologetics, you know, and they, they, they lay out all the, you know, everything they've done wrong and see if you'll still want to be a part, because the Jesuits are all about, they want you to be a committed It's like Carfax part. for religion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what is apologetics? This I mean? car has been raped. They, they, lay, they, lay out, they lay out as negative a case for their own philosophy and their history as possible, and if you still want them, then you really want them. This is how you get to become a Catholic? by No, fu- this is how you get to be a Jesuit. Jesuits have to, it takes eight years to be ordained a Jesuit priest. So, so they, they really sell you by telling you all the terrible things that the Catholic Church has done. Yeah. And what does that include now? Presumably when you were going there, that didn't include having sex with altar boys. It was not, not my experience, but I wasn't <laughs> yes. an altar boy either, so. No, but I mean. It was all the same stuff now, but now there's just been more of it. We can add. Right. Just, sexual know, molestation. Right. And yes, but there's just been more of that. Right. So if you, still, if you still like that, it's a strange way of selling something, isn't it? Well, because they, they want you to be committed. They don't want you to go in blindly. You know, other, I feel like that's what, one of the things I admire about the Jesuits is they're very much about open dialogue and laying everything bare and saying, this is why we're great. You know, these are, these are the great things about us, but we're not without warts. So if you're joining, what are come in the, knowing this. What are some of the on. terrible things the Jesuits did? Well, not so much the Jesuits, just the Catholic Church in general. What are these terrible things? Oh, yeah, the little thing called the Inquisition, <laughs> okay, countenancing the Holocaust, you know, just... What about the Holocaust? They didn't... They, they did not condemn it. Right. Yeah, it took them... They condemned it, what, in the 70s? <laughs> you know, they... Like 40 years later or 30 yeah. years later, I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, that's one of the great things about being religious, isn't it, that you can just sort of apologize at, even at the very end of your life. Well, especially with Catholics. You can repent. <laughs> Isn't that the whole thing with Catholicism? You can just repent at the very end. Apparently. And you're going to be led into I heaven. I think that's across the board Christianity. Is it? That's the <laughs> whole thing. You can just the Episcopalians don't have to repent, though. They don't? No. You're in anyway. I, when, I, when I was in, uh, in, like in like 15 or 16, I asked a priest at our church about like premarital sex. He was kind of like, eh. <laughs> eh yeah, Episcopals are very laid back. Yeah, very laid back. It's yeah. like the lazy boy of... Catholicism. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, you really shouldn't, but uh, yeah, whatever. It's I have sex, so <laughs> we won't hold it against you. Your priests are having sex. Yeah. Okay, let's move it a lot right along off Catholicism and sex for a minute. And back hey, is there a bell I can back ring to, to rock and roll? I'm gonna ring a bell. You, again. Yeah. What happened to the service around here? Yeah. Yeah. Somebody that, rang the yeah. bell. Bell is back. Did that work? Look, this looks. Look at this stuff. That looks wow. awesome too. That's, that's fantastic. That's the it's sub. Meatball Ooh. Parmesan sub, my God, okay. So pony space. Yes. Hi. Come on, we've got three out of four pony spaces here. The mm-hmm. other person's doing interpreting yeah, the, medical, the deaf. Yeah. medical problems for the deaf. So if yes. you're deaf and you go to the doctor... You ha- she goes with you and communicates to the, her deaf client what the doctor is trying to tell his patient. Another awesome job I never thought about. Mm-hmm. How'd she get that? She's been doing that for a while. She yeah. was a school teacher. She actually taught at Catholic school for a long time, St. Anne's in Metairie. Yeah. Uh, she's an amazing musician. She's been playing music forever as well. And I think, didn't she study uh, theater and music at LSU? She went to NOCA, actually. Yeah. yeah. Was, she, was she a fan of the, the sign language lady that got famous due to the... We didn't talk about that. The New York lady. I don't know. She, they, she, was famous. she actually they, she they even interprets for, for musical performances. She did the Britney Spears concert oh, yeah. a few years ago. 
What wow. kind of okay? Wow. I, you know, I don't mean to be insensitive <laughs> about this, but what kind of deaf person goes to a rock concert? I, I don't know. You'd be surprised. Well, they, can, they can feel the bass. They can, yeah, they they can, can feel. feel the they can feel the music. Okay. And, well, that's one and thing. So about she's kind of interpreting the the lyrics. Britney Spears lyrics. Would you pay? What does it cost to go to a Britney Spears <laughs> concert? Seventy five dollars. Right, plus, you have to pay someone to interpret it for you. <laughs> <laughs> See right there, right there. That we're connecting these two topics. I'm just if not you, if say you pay about for this. an interpreter, <laughs> if you pay for a ticket and an interpreter, you are so committed. A fan, it's just like the Catholicism. If you're, <laughs> <Yeah>. willing, <laughs> if you're willing to go through with it after love hearing all Brittany. that. You it love is strange. Right. Oh, here we go. We're ready. Yes, we would like a drink. Blake would like another one. Hi, I would like to have a, um, a uh, vodka tonic with Tito's. Oh, sure. A vodka that is of quality almost as great as the pizza I've been eating. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. would you like, come and have a piece of pizza as well, by the way? Okay. Oh, come on. It's fine. So wouldn't you think one of the great things about being deaf would be is that you wouldn't have to hear Britney Spears? <laughs> yes. <true. laughs> if there was to be an upside to being deaf, that would certainly be it. Why would you then go to the fucking concert? <laughs> maybe maybe when you're deaf, it's more pleasant. I guess you could... You, the, you know, the, the beat is there, and you're like, hey, I like this beat. I'm, I'm sure she's not insipid. <laughs> and you, would, you, you look at her and you go, she looks very intelligent. Yeah. So I bet her lyrics I'm are. hiring an interpreter yeah. and going to that content. And then you She's hire an interpreter an and, you, and you finally can see here the lyrics and you go, oh my God, this is terrible. Yeah. Or I'm missing That's, some layers. What's going on here? I wonder if it just seems much better though, you know. We need to find a deaf person who's been to the Britney Spears concert and find out. Chris, can you find someone in the next five minutes? Okay. Chris is on it. Okay, Pony Space. Yes. So you guys are an all acoustic band, mm-hmm. yeah. So is that be- essentially what, what? Where did that come from? Because you're all writers. Yeah, we're all writers. I think um, also. I mean, as, as you noted, you know, I mean, I played played music for a living for decades, and um, a lot less equipment to schlep, you know. And mm. since this is really this really is a hobbyist band, you know, we I think we're really good. And we recorded a record that we have here. And you want, you, we want people to buy, right? What you want people to buy. But so I don't know if you should the, say the word hobby. Blake is a specialist in marketing, right? Blake, would you tell people that you're a hobbyist if you want to be taken seriously? Uh, sure. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's okay. All right, go ahead. Then. We're a well, hobby well, horse. Yeah, we're a hobby horse. Very good. What is a hobby horse? Exactly. <laughs> Wouldn't you like to know? I would. <laughs> Inquiring minds would like to know that. But, you know, so, it's, yes. it's a lot easier. Sorry. It's Rehearsal's easy. You know, we don't have to... Plug in a bunch of instruments. There's no uh, band drama, which we've you know we've yeah. all had in the past. There's we no don't want any of that. It's very laid back. If someone no can't drama. make it, then they don't make it, and no one gets stressed out. I haven't been stressed out at a gig, and and through my, all my years of playing, you know, you'd show up at eight and sit around for two and a half hours waiting to to do nothing or to set up, and it always would go late, and just you just don't have those kind of logistical issues. We show up with a couple of acoustic guitars, we plug in, we can get there really 10 minutes before the show starts and uh, we'll play for a couple hours and you know hopefully we have people there if not then we just we're having a good time yeah we like each other so that helps so if you guys ever do break up as a band you should start a new band called Band Drama (laughs) true that is a good we could just change the name or the next record could be Band Drama the next record by Pony Space is Band Drama (laughs) that is a good name so you could it be just because you're not doing this for a living that you know you're not taking that seriously so you don't well, you know, I don't know if it's a matter of not taking it seriously, is that we're very laid back about it. Because we do have a, you know, Craig not only, you know, has a business, but he has, you know, wife and kids. Romy's married, you know, I have a serious living girlfriend, and we have two lovely cats, you know, and we're all really busy people who have serious jobs. Well, you have a real job, too. You're, a, you're I work an, in film. You're an, you're an art director. 
Well, I work in either art coordinating or set deck balling for film. Are you working on one right now? I'm working on the Spike Lee joint right now. What is the what movie is it? It's I don't want to call it a remake. It's more a reimagining of the Korean cult movie Old Boy. Does he cut his tongue off? Um, there is some cutting. Okay. Yeah. You have, know you seen, have you seen this movie? No, I don't. It's, know. it's a fantastic an awesome movie. movie. It's very. But there's a famous tongue scene where a guy literally cuts his tongue out of his mouth. Yeah. To, so that his own tongue, so he won't confess something or talk about something. Yeah. And we have a different tongue cutting in this movie. Okay. Like I said, it's not a remake. It's a reimagining. Josh Brolin and um, Elizabeth Olsen. And what are you doing on it? I'm coordinating the art department. And you have to work with Spike Lee, to, like hand in hand. He tells you personally what to do. Not very. He mostly ta- tells the production designer, right? You know, and um, so what's the vibe on the set like? Well, luckily, I don't have to go to the set very much, which I like because I don't like being around the set. Why? Um, in general, you mean not just in general? Set. I don't like being on the set because there's a lot of waiting. Yeah, it's very boring. You know, what, what we do is we, you know, we're designing and building and dressing all the sets, so we're always there ahead of time. And so you get to see your job done, and the crew comes in and they do their thing. And every once in a while, you know, you're around there for it. But he shoots fast, you know. And after doing the Tarantino movie last year, it's really nice to see somebody who shoots fast because Tarantino takes forever. Have you know? seen the Tarantino movie? Well, no, we haven't seen it yet. He we've has... seen we've seen bits and pieces. I've seen How a does lot that of dailies. Look? Everyone's excited about it's gonna that. It's going to be amazing. It'll, I love Tarantino, and this will, this uh, I predict will be my favorite Tarantino movie. Okay. Well, I predict you're right. I love Christoph Waltz, and it's. The first two acts of the movie are mostly Christoph Vault, so okay. I'm pretty psyched. What's that called? Django Unchained. Django Unchained. And when is that coming out? Christmas. Okay. All right. Back to Pony Space. Okay, so the build-up has, you know, been extraordinary for this. <laughs> so we've got three out of four pieces of the band here. We've got two guitars. Yes. So we've got time to listen to a song. What are you thinking of playing, guys? Um, I was thinking maybe one of Craig's songs that's on the record, that's one of my very favorite songs of his, called um, Just One Night. It's very perky. I have to tell the story behind it. Oh, please do. Can I follow Craig's Because, yes. No. The way that the song came about is that Caleb and I were doing some shows together, and um, we were, were rehearsing for a show. We had about two weeks before the show, and, um, and I said, oh, let's do a set list. And he's like, no, one of us may write a, write a song before. We've got two weeks. And so, sure enough, I went home that night and I wrote this song. And um, I went in the next week for rehearsal and I was like, hey, I did write a song. And he's like, oh, we have to do it. So, we did, so okay. now it's, it's on the list. But anyway, so that's how it all came about. I'm going to stop eating while you're playing. So. No, please eat. That's okay. Right, we sound better when you're chewing. <laughs> well, Romy stole your mic, so you're okay now. <laughs> Just one night, one night is all I got. Just one night, one night is all I got. Steal it away, be alone. Call the love, strong as a machine, taking your best belly, paying off clean, drawing you in, closer you gleam. Face off, flush, settle down some. No time to mull it over, no time to be stoned. Chances for losers that are already gone. Pour yourself out, let it all go. Case makes you waste, stay away. Just one night, one night is all I got. Just one night, one night is all I got. Steal it away. Be alone. 
There's that fear in your voice, there's no need to be scared There's always a first time for everything Say goodbyes and hellos, maybe later I don't know And make our way through the throes But the night flies fast and it sure won't last If we let it run us down to the bone Don't be cold or go home, share your heart, show your soul We all have a right to be free Just one night, one night is all I got just one night, one night is all I got to steal it away, be alone, steal it away, be alone, alone. That is such a yeah. shock, isn't it? And we're only at three-quarter strength. Ronda, Ronda, come well, on well, in. I'll tell you this. I, I was sitting here watching you all play, and it is amazing how many incre- – I mean, I know this is all over the world, but New Orleans is, such, is so full of incredibly interesting, talented people. And then – And, you, and then there's pony and, space. I, and, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, really, there's just a hobbyist <laughs> band. Yeah. Right. Come yeah, on. Yeah, a nice hobby. Yeah. But, I mean, it's just the – purity of what y'all just did is just so beautiful and it it, it, it is amazing oh, thank it's you. so nice to be sitting next to y'all thank you it's so yeah. impressive isn't it it's just incredibly impressive but i mean i think that's what new orleans is all about all these great people that come from all over the world to move here and live here and meet up with people that have grown up here and understand new orleans <laughs> as part of their dna and then the rest of us that come and adopt it and come together and do our thing and it's a beautiful thing that was lovely. Oh, thank you. Yeah, my awesome pleasure, so of course. Rhonda, you came from uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. Well, yeah, uh, via a bunch of different places, the Caribbean and the East Coast. And, really? You lived yeah. in the Caribbean? I did. Why I would you to... leave? Well, <laughs> the many reasons. What are the top five? Um, the top five are, um, it isn't always sunny. No. Oh, that's The weed right isn't there. always good. Yeah. Really? <laughs> the, um, okay. It's hard to make a living. 
And I mean, I, I could go on and on this and on. Well, that was, and this really is the, this is the northern Caribbean yes, that's island, right. the most that's northern right. of Caribbean islands. That's Good right. point. That's what were true. you doing there? Apart well, from many many years ago, you, yeah, I used to be in the restaurant business. Oh, you were. Uh, I used to build uh, restaurants and resort properties. Um, I worked for a chef for many years and traveled all over the world and helped him do that. So I used to be in the restaurant business, and well, that's actually how I uh, I didn't have a soft landing in New Orleans. I landed rather uh, with a thud. In the central business district. It's funny how people say these sentences like it doesn't mean anything. Like, I worked, I built restaurants? What do you mean? Yeah, but that was another life ago. Well, now what, I kind of make I t-shirts and dresses. What, what do you mean I built restaurants? Shit like that. What so. did you do? I built restaurants. What, I mean, exactly what it a, means. Not with a hammer. Yes. Well, sometimes, when, I mean, if you have like 500 Jamaican men, Jamaican guys that can't go home at night because they won't come back the next day, so you let them sleep in the ballroom and smoke their weed, and hopefully they'll be ready to get up the next morning and put in the walls and the ceiling. It's a true story. That's true story. You spent the night with 50 Jamaican guys? <laughs> yeah, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's what you just said. I mean, that's, um, no, I said they spend the night. Big, <laughs> big hammers. Each other. That's, that's right. And what no, but that's what I used to do, and that's sort of my long road, um, winding road down to New Orleans. I, so you came here to build a, a restaurant? F- as a favor. I came to build a restaurant as a Which favor. Which one? Are we allowed yeah, to know? I, no. Okay, let's start from the top then. A, <laughs> Antoine. No. no, before my time. So B, Brennan. I'm going to tell you all this. Just here is Blake's from New Orleans, and 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 you're from New Orleans, and my my. Taylor, Taylor I never Taylor. ever 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 thought I would live in New Orleans. It never crossed my mind, and so I I really did come here as a favor to uh, uh, this German chef that I worked for for many, many years. German and, uh, chef. But the Horst only Pfeiffer. time... No, 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 no. He's not from here. He doesn't live here. But um, He's my not here nine-year-old memory of coming to New Orleans, it stuck in my head. You weren't and nine And you can't see old. its radio. But see these fingers flipping back and forth? Yes. Do you know, know what those are? Those, those, the legs. On those are the legs. So for years in my head... As a little nine-year-old girl, we walked down Bourbon Street, and this, and I could never figure out why when, in New Orleans, I thought about legs and these <laughs> things. And then when I came back as an adult in my early 30s, I walked down Bourbon Street, I was like, oh my God, since I was nine years old, I could You've not figure legs. out that memory. Can you describe so that for people who are outside of New Orleans listening to this? I know the guys might do a better job of describing okay. it. Blake? Uh, on Bourbon Street, I don't think they're there anymore, but one of the strip clubs had these two, um, basically, women's legs that would swing in and out with a mechanical device, I am guess, behind it, propulsing, or uh, a midget just paid a lot of money <laughs> to move this, these legs back and forth. So you saw a woman's legs basically coming in and out. Somebody told me that back in the day, they were, it was actually a real lady that yeah. used to sit there. On a then, swing. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's a woman on a swing yeah. with their yes. legs going, swinging out yeah. the window. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, New Orleans so had an, a, a mem- an impression on me from way back. Yeah, I've, you know, strange. I've often wondered <laughs> what kind of parents take their kids down Bourbon Street. Very um, what naive were your pa- what kind were your of... What like? um, Naive. Uh, you know, but they still do it to this day. I mean, you go down Bourbon Street, there's people pushing strollers yes. down, and you just think, what? I know, and they so sell those, those T-shirts in kids' sizes that say, I got fucked up on Bourbon Street. Fuck you, you fucking fuck on Bourbon Street. Yeah, fuck you, you fucking Seldom do they get down this way to see such a beautiful neighborhood as the Garden District and where the Columns <laughs> is and where we are, and, you know, Magazine Street, where... You guys have yeah. your businesses and... You know, and I own two know. stores in the French Quarter, okay. too. Yeah. So I kind of get... I get it all. Yes. I see so it all. So how did you go from building restaurants as a favor to a German dude to opening these wacky stores? <laughs> he is a total German dude, too. Um, you know, I, I, I moved here, I know, like I said, to do this favor. 
And it was a, it was a, a terrible decision on my part. But it was the first time I ever moved to a city and couldn't think of the next city I was going to move to. Oh, so you're normally one city ahead. So it's stuck. <laughs> normally, I'm one city ahead. I'm already out before I even get settled in. But do you have a fear of commitment? I d- big time. Really? Yes. Even to everything. Well, you've been yes. here. How long have you been here now? Fourteen years. Fourteen years. So that must be the longest time you've been anywhere. Yes, it's the longest time I've ever what, been. And you, the hurricane didn't make no, you leave. No, I had I, don't, I had too many people wanting to get back in their homes. I some rental property and no, I had too many leases signed, and it's just not that easy to split. But why would you abandon your city at its greatest time of need? So I guess I right. I have don't well, you're, I have no, I'm that's, fear that's of committed in some areas and very committed in others. That's commitment. That? Yeah, well, to New Orleans, I think. Well, We're all now. committed, right? Blake, you're really committed. Absolutely. You've been, yeah. You're committed, right? You're, you're I absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, re- no I rebuilt my home and, and yeah, I'm, me you too. Know, I'm not. Were you tempted to knock it down given that you uh, No, I, I mean, with my mortgage, I couldn't walk away right. from it. But, um, but no, I mean, I, I never, it never really crossed my mind to not be here. So even right. with eight feet of water, and, and it went away. And you had eight we feet? Were, yes. Yeah, we, I had I four about, feet. It's about three blocks away from the levee break yeah. out in Lakeview. So, oh, yeah. uh, you know, we, um, we rebuild, and we want to stay. So, Rhonda, it says here, is this true? I don't know. My God, what? <laughs> Let me read it to you. <laughs> also, it also says Look here... Look at that awfully long page. It also says you're a sommelier, but we'll get onto that in a minute, I suppose. Yeah, I am a sommelier. It's like that is old that life, you, that past not, life that I live. That's interesting. Now, it says here that, uh, that Rhonda worked Look, after Hurricane Katrina to bring $38 million yeah. in grant money to small businesses in New Orleans Parish yeah, through something called Second Wind. Yeah, that was all the rebuilding after the storm. $38 million. Yeah, and that's a rip-off, by the way. The feds and uh, the state government ripped the small business owners off after 9-11 in lower Manhattan. There was something like 538... Five, I mean, the 38 is a resounding... I mean, $517 million the federal government gave small businesses in lower Manhattan to rebuild or relocate after 9-11. And those businesses deserve that, and... And as likewise now in in uh, in, in the hard uh, hit areas after her, uh, right. Sandy, they all deserve money to help rebuild. Everybody deserves help. But after Katrina, the federal government was lax and did not really come through with the grant money to help um, all of the industries. Um, and about the best we could do was Kathleen Blanco took thirty eight million dollars of some community she development. Was, she was a governor at that point. Yeah, right. It's community hard to remember her. Yeah, it's hard to remember. She. She, you know what? I have a strong opinion about her, but we'll get to that sounds, maybe later it on. Sounds negative. Thirty-eight million dollars? No, no. How, not did, really. how did you get hold of thirty-eight million dollars? Well, Kathleen Blanco released it from Community Development Block Grant Money. But how but did you get to be the person who got it? It wasn't just me. It was Second Win. How did you get to be one of the people in Second Win? I, I volunteered to help. There were lots of small business owners um, and some attorneys that came down from New York, Citigroup, um, and a couple of people volunteered out of Washington D.C. to try to coupled together because they had worked on the grant money for small businesses in Lower Manhattan and knew about this. Did you get any of the $38 million? I did. Did you, Blake? Did you get any? Uh, no, I didn't. I got nothing mm. either. Do you guys get anything? Nah. Demo? No, I right? got nothing. nothing. Mm. Uh, I, I didn't recall. Caleb, I couldn't even get I, road I home. So. I live in Lower Garden District. If my house floods, the yeah. city's over. Yeah. Yeah. So Same here. Yeah. Right. But this was for business, not home. Yeah, so where, I mean, do Blake, you have a store you open? Had a business. I had a Blake? design studio, but, you know, Unless, unless my internet connection was lost or a laptop was destroyed, <laughs> I basically was still operational. So, but Dirty Coast came along. Uh, you were was a post Katrina. We had started before well, we'd that. Start, yeah, we started in late '04 and started working on the designs, but hadn't launched the site. 
and we're doing it kind of slow while we're just kind of it was going to be a hobby. And then when the storm happened, we were like, ah, oh, so a locally centric pride line would probably work would well probably right sell. now. You know, yeah. So, so that was the hurricane work for you in that sense? Oh, huge. No, Dirty Coast would have been what it was going to be. It was going to be like if you really, 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 really liked New Orleans, Louisiana and could get some of the concepts, you would wear our stuff. And I was expecting that I put like 30 grand into it. And I was like, I'll just make that back in three years and then it'll be this fun project. And then it became this bigger mission after the storm. So Yeah, I mean, people were interested in wearing the pride of New Orleans, whether they were from here or not. And it was right. an amazing time. No, I think Jack Curry that owns mm-hmm. Defend New Orleans, that brand, yeah. he was very, you know, he was kind of the, you know, been, I've been in the t-shirt business for years, years and way, way, way before You Katrina. must be a lot older than you look. Um, I am. If you're a sommelier and yeah. you've built restaurants and yep. you've been here for 14 years yep. with these stores. Yep. How, well, I can't ask you. Since she helped to start Antoine, she's 170 <laughs> years old. That's right. <laughs> I look the, good, don't I, Blake? You the, you the it's, it's the humidity but, but I think, and the you know, rum. That, that that it, it, it's interesting for, and I, you know, I'd be curious to hear what Blake has to say, but it is interesting how this city, more than any other city I've lived in, man, people come from everywhere. They want a shirt about New Orleans, and they're not afraid. And Jack Curry started Defend New Orleans, and it, that was a huge T-shirt before, before Katrina. I mean, it was huge, and then it took off huge. And it is just a blessing I have been able to make a living selling T-shirts, among other things. But, I mean, we, you know, what we, we both do great. Mm-hmm. It is just phenomenal. What is your store is described as a dime store? Right. What does that mean? That means everything's cheap? Well, there's, I mean, I do sell things for a quarter. You do? Uh-huh, still. But, you know, we, but we sell a little bit of everything. But I didn't realize there were many T-shirts. I thought you mostly had sort of like fun sort of... We have, our T-shirts are just a small part of what we do. You know, we have gifts. I mean, I brought you guys a couple of gifts, you and, and Graham. Right. The coffee mugs with New Orleans designs on it. But also, All you right. know, I make clothing in the Ninth Ward. Mm. And part of the, pro- it's called To the Nines is the dress line. And part of the proceeds from the sale of those dresses, we're trying to find a women's sewing co-op in Africa so we can fund them to make uniforms for school children in Africa. So we have a strong connection here from New Orleans to West Africa. I mean, we get our music, we get our food, we get our culture, we get a uh, you know voodoo religion. So all these funky traditions from West Africa here in New Orleans. So it, it's you know you like the Oprah Winfrey, of no, of, of New Orleans. No. How did you hook up with? Do you have some sort of hookup in, in, in West Africa? No, I need one. Are you looking for some? A big time looking for one. Really? It's difficult. It's difficult to do business in Africa. It's, it just is. So we're trying to do well, it the right way. I think Blake can probably hook up. You, you, you're a part African, correct? Yes. Everyone who, everyone who grew up in New Orleans is part has, African. Got, has got something going on. That's what I thought. Yeah. You probably know somebody yeah. in Africa. We can make it what about Quint Davis? He, he wears a lot of African clothing. He does wear a lot of African clothing. <laughs> he must clothing. know somebody I, in I Africa. That. And he's I a good businessman he's for a, sure. He is a, an amazing Do you know him? I don't know him really, no. Everybody, someone around I mean, this you table think, will well, be Just when you Quint, think you know him, then you just don't know he him. He's gone again. <laughs> I know Hell. Rob Savoy, who's in charge of the music at Jazz Fest Foundation, and Scott Agis, who's in charge of the foundation part. There you go. We can hook you up right there. All and right, I, well, get on. And maybe you ought to look east too. Maybe to East Africa. Not just. Wait, but I, I, I have uh, contacts there. I I, live, I do you have contacts in East Africa? Kate? Well, I lived in Tanzania for a year. There you go. Okay, and I know, I know a charity uh, uh, actually run by women who are in the film industry who run an, um, a school for girls in Kenya. 
Yes, the, um, there's a school in Kenya that, out of Austin called the Nobility Project. Uh, Christy Pipkin and her husband run it. What I'm sp- I'll be very specific, because they say if you don't specifically ask what you're looking for, then it becomes back broad. What we're trying, we, me and cuts? myself and I, because there's really no more than me. Women cooperatives are funded through something called SUSU lending or micro lending, right? Mm-hmm. And what I'm specifically looking for is a group of women who are sewing that are funded. Because the whole point of these SUSUs or micro lending agency is that they pay back the loans and then the money can go to loan someone else's startup. And to fund them to sew the clothing to give to the children in. Uh, 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 ben and Ghana, you can't go to school without a uniform. Really? You cannot. Have it, you been to these places, no. Rhonda? No, it's a long story. We don't have enough time what about on the radio to a, see how this all came about. What about, about getting about. on a plane and going to somewhere? That's an option. I'm, I'm uh, Elizabeth Bentliff, who runs the African programming for Heifer International, um, has offered to take me over. So we're working on trying to organize that trip. Caleb, what were you doing in Tanzania for you? My dad was doing his field work for his dissertation. So you were young? I was young. I loved Do you remember it? It? What, oh, yeah. yeah. What was it like? It was amazing. We lived in a tiny village. We were the only uh, non-Africans within 80 miles. Um, and my dad was doing his field work on the Wambugwe tribe, who are um, sort of the... They're the rivals of the Maasai, who everybody knows because the Maasai are the opposite of camera shy. Oh, wouldn't that be horrible if you were like the you know the the little non-African tribe? And the, and the like, Wambugwe are like this like physically the smaller and less and less glamorous and so much more interesting. You know what do they wear? They all do War of Warcraft. They stay in their rooms. <laughs> they have a hard time associating. <laughs> well, to that note, they're, they're much more into magic. They they really believe yeah. in the mystical stuff. Their their rite of passage is a little sixteen-year-old kid who. There, among their tribe, is probably the average size is like five foot four and 120 pounds when you're 16 to go hunt a Cape buffalo with a spear. And these guys do it. And that's like, and it's like tra- you're, hunting you're a car with a spear. So you're by yourself and you're 16 years old and you're a little tiny guy with a spear and a giant. And you don't buffalo. come back without the buffalo? Right. How do you get the buffalo back, actually? <laughs> Very slowly. Very slowly. No, they, once, they, once they do it, they, they cut come them back up and, and say, they, they, Hi, I got the buffalo. Come you know, on they, over. They bring the tail and, you know. And, what, happens and if you, what happens if you fail at that? Which You're not a man. That's it. Yeah. You're out. But they're super what? mystical. They, you know, they, they go into trances and stuff like that. My Did dad. your dad's book come out? Well, he I mean, wrote, as a, as a dissertation, he wrote a dissertation, but it didn't get published, as far as I know. But um, you know, he got—he's a professor, you know, from it, and uh, he went back to Africa a few more times, uh, did some more work went with New Orleans public schools, actually, to help them the, to develop a curriculum for uh, African yeah. studies for uh, New Orleans school children. Okay, Rhonda, if this isn't a hookup, but it's east. She wants to go west, so you know, we'll, like we'll, we'll have to try to hook her up. I mean, I, I, we'll try to hook her up. I mean, you never know. We'll you find have patience. You mm-hmm. have to be patient with things like this, I think. It's and, an interesting and, sort of a dream that you have there. I don't know where that ever came from. I'm, I'm still not quite sure where it came from, but um, it's, it's, we're going to make it happen. The, the clothing was inspired by a dress that my grandmother made my mother in 1952. And, I, and in New Orleans was when I decided to start wearing it. People would always stop me and uh, ask she me. She was your size, you Grandmother? Yeah, and my mother. Your mother. Your yeah. grandmother made the dress for your mother. Correct. And so people, especially in New Orleans, people love vintage clothes. And people have a great style down is in New Orleans. Is your mom still with us? She is. Does she, she is. Does she ever want to dress back? No. <laughs> she doesn't understand why I have the dress, which is... But, but, it, but it became an idea when I saw, again, inspiration, when I saw um, 
the, the trashy diva lady, Candace, who I don't know personally, but she's an amazing businesswoman, um, was making dresses. I thought we'd give that a shot and started making them out of African fabric when I went fabric shopping in Los Angeles. That was the most beautiful fabric I could find. And then that all sort of came about, and a little voice said, you should do something for Africa. And it sort of all came full circle because not being from here and living here for so long and always hearing people go, oh, Africa, New Orleans, and West Africa, New Orleans, but now I really, really, really understand the connection. And that's been a gift, too, because... Again, it's brought the awareness, and I've been able to tell more people. We see a lot of visitors in the store, and we have the dresses in the store, and um, it's been amazing to share that and well, let what people a, know. What a, I wonder where inspiration comes from. I don't. Where does inspiration come guys, from? Your dreams, musicians. Right? You guys are all creative. Creativity comes from taking one one thing and another thing and another thing, and then combining them together in a novel way. That's creativity. That's what you do. That's what all these T-shirts of yours are. It's this, here's the first one on this list: Hurricane. What is going on on that T-shirt? It's here? a uh, <laughs> it's a rework of the National Lampoon's Family Vacation poster for the movie that we did as Hurricane. So that's two ideas merged together. And the guy, the illustrator who we got to do, Advance Kelly, I had him make the guy look like my dad. Oh, really? So that's three things. That's awesome. And it's also well, it's another one because he's wearing a T-shirt. I mean, the football jersey. This is number nine on it, which is Drew Brees, Drew Brees I suppose. Right. So that's four right. things. Sure. Yeah. That's and, well, there's a lot of details in that one, for sure. It's that's a, what's incredible about these T-shirts, the, all the Dirty Coast stuff, is that the, the illusions are packed in to a little tiny space. So, well, it's, a, well a the, I guess the idea is that everything is supposed to be a conversation starter. You're supposed to kind of wear it, and people go, what exactly is going on there? And then you're sort of forced to explain what it is you're wearing, which gets you into a conversation about New Orleans, Louisiana. Right. This one you're wearing is awesome here. Yeah, this is the um, this idea came when I was in uh, P- uh, Paris last year, and I saw a vintage uh, perfume bottle, a uh, French perfume bottle, and I just the first thing I read on it was Eau du Toilette, and the first thing I thought about was the smell of Bourbon Street, <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, "Huh, smell of Bourbon Street." So we just, th- people buy this because it's a cool design. Some probably have no idea <laughs> that they're wearing a shirt that's celebrating the stench. Of Bourbon Street, so well, the, the turning on its head is, you know, well, then it's Blair, right? Who Blair? speaks French? Caleb, you speak French. No, I, I do not speak French. No, but, but, but I can read that. Yeah. Matin is morning, right? Bur- Bourbon Street in the morning. In the morning. Yeah. That is that Bourbon disgusting smell. That yes, when yes. the sun first comes it's up. So and, unique. Ah, <coughs> yes. What is that vomit? And, and if you go look at our site and you look at that page, it's, all kinds of it's things. Blair. Bleach and beer. Blair. Yeah. This is what it is. Blair. Blair. But we have a blarf. We have a video. I like. I've been around the blarf. We have a commercial that we made, or we didn't make it. The guys with New Movement. Theater did it, but it's a, it's like one of those '80s slow motion, <laughs> black and white, over dramatized, just bullshit poetry in the background, and it's a couple from out of town, drunk on Bourbon Street morning, and it's great. So. It's and, just, it's on, and it's disgusting. It's on yeah, it's on the the, the shirt page for okay. this. Yeah. That is a great shirt. It's a beautiful shirt. <laughs> the, they're all great, actually. I love my sometimes picky unit t-shirt that I got mm. there at Dirty Coast, and I'm that still wearing it. There's, that's, that's an easy one, but you just wear it. I have, I have the Making Groceries one, which when I wear it in San Diego, people are like, why, why, is, the, why is it off to the side, and what are, <laughs> why are all those men in construction, what are they doing with that? Like, they're making groceries. Like, what is, what what does is, that mean? What is, this, what is going on? What is this mean? Making groceries. <laughs> and I still think crawfish pie is one of the most elegant, beautiful 
both graphically beautiful, but so clever. And it almost didn't get made because it was just like a drunk idea. And we're like, we're like, let's just do this. And it was like, that is so nerdy that no one would ever buy that. But do you have yeah. one that nobody ever bought? Oh yeah, the the only real the one that we just simply could not sell. The biggest failure we ever had, which is a, a lesson learned very early that I need to actually show ideas to people. <laughs> <laughs> was uh, I was at a bar one, once again drinking I was at a bar one night and some bartender was this is after people were being shot murdered and people weren't talking about it there was this whole snitching thing in the news and she said you should do a shirt that says snitching is bitching <laughs> and I was like yeah I should do that yes. <laughs> so we got a design it had a cell phone the cell phone was talking and the cell phone, the cell phone illustration said snitching is bitching <laughs> And Nobody we, here, Caleb, you're laughing at that, and you don't laugh out loud very often, remember? Uh, he's very funny. So, that, and, <laughs> and so we, yeah. we printed it, and we didn't sell, and I realized that, well, it wasn't selling for many reasons. One, are we saying you're a bitch because you're a snitch? <laughs> are we saying if you're snitching, you're being bitchy? Are we, or if you buy this shirt and wear it around town, you're basically saying, I'm a shoot snitch. Shoot me. Yeah. Please, please shoot me. Yeah. Pay $20 to be murdered <laughs> or to say the opposite of what we were intending. So it failed. We put it in like the $3 shirt bin, and I think we sold them all. They're now used as rags or something. That's, but, uh, well, that was the only but that was one our failure, failure in all yeah. these years. Oh, that's been like how many years now? Well, we've had a Seven few that we years. put out. Like you put one out, like the, the one we put out that I thought would never sell, but everyone else will put a shirt out just because we want to have it in our line. We know it's not going to be a big seller, but we just, you know, 20 people will buy it, but they will love the shit out of that shirt. Right. And it was Which right one? after the oil spill, and it was when the news came out that the uh, plans that the oil companies had for dealing with an oil spill, the sort of contingency plan, was basically the same thing. They all had the same one because what was in the language was protecting the wildlife of the Gulf, and one of the things they listed in the wildlife of the Gulf was a walrus. <laughs> That's so right. it was obvious they just took something from Alaska and just threw right. in, you know, so we had the Gulf walrus. So I said, we need to do a protect the Gulf walrus shirt. And it was like that news story was last week. No one's going to remember. Once we have it designed and printed, it'll be a month later. And I was like, doesn't matter. Only print 50 of them if we have to. So we gave it to this new illustrator we started working with. And I said, I have no idea what the concept's going to be, but that's the tagline. And he gave us this incredible illustration that had four animals, each holding a sign that said, said, you know, save the Gulf Walrus. And the animals were... Uh, unicorn, cyclops, <laughs> and some Greek animal, and then I forgot the other one. So we put it out, and it was a really cool illustration, and it didn't sell shit. For, it didn't sell anything. It sold, like I said, it probably sold 10 shirts. But then like two months later, it started selling, and I think it was because those 10 people would wear it, and people would be like, what is that? And they'd be, they'd be like, I'll tell you what this is, and they'd go on some rant. And people were like, holy shit, Really? I'm going to buy that shirt. So we finally sold them all out. But, yeah, that was, that was a, one of those little gambles. Where <laughs> well, you have a whole store of these amazing shirts, and you keep on coming up with them, and it's not even your real day job. Right. So how cool is that? It's could fun. you Could yeah. you live on this without doing anything else? I mean, is there enough money in the T-shirt business? Yeah. I mean, I could, yeah, I have a good, a good double salary right now. It's good. That is good. Yeah. That's handy. Yeah, I'm happy. It's good. I'd love a double salary. What about you guys? Well, you guys have I got need two. a double salary. Yeah, <laughs> that would be nice to have that. Rhonda, you've got three stores, right? You I, a, always, a, I double dip as often as I can. Do you have I a can. triple salary <laughs> with three stores? Sort of. Do you make three times as much money? With Absolutely. Three wow. <laughs> we've got Absolutely. some wealth. This is the wealthiest group is. of people we've ever had yes. in New Orleans sitting around a table. Let's take a listen to another song from Pony Space. What's the number two song today? Hey, can, before we do that, can, can, yes. you, can you ring that bell again on your computer so that I... <laughs> 
Okay, oh. I need a, I need another <laughs> drink. I need another. There we you go. go. Oh, we got tons there of pizza, is. guys. <laughs> Who's not? Yeah, are you allowed to eat anything? Rhonda, did you have a piece of pizza? I've had two of these pieces of pizza, pizza from I, Slice, and they're fantastic. I didn't know there was going to be pizza. I should have known there was going to be food. I ate a. I ate a bowl of gumbo before I came here. Well, that was hours Good ago. Now, though, you must know, be hungry. Huh? A bowl of gumbo that was made by her and the chefs at Antoine's that she helped <laughs> when, found. When she built it. She built that yeah. Under the legs. The Jamaican Under chefs. Under the, the flipping <laughs> legs, right? Yes. Yeah. We thought we'd do a, song, a beautiful song that Romy wrote. Um, it's very bittersweet called River of Tears. Hang on a second. We've got to get the drinks in here. Blake's having another one of those. We're New Orleanians. Why do you, okay, Caleb, are you drinking another one? I'm good. No? Another Sazerac for Craig? Okay. Sorry about that. Well, let's have a real introduction. River of Tears. River of Tears by Romy K. Song about my backyard. She has a beautiful backyard. I'd like to write you a waltz if I could I'd play my guitar like you're wishing I would I'd build you a song meant to last through the years But it's washing away on a river of tears I'd make you sweet coffee Hear the rooster crow Sip rum as we watch The banana trees grow Make love in the backyard Under southern Stars. If I could stop crying, all this would be ours. And I'd like to write you a waltz if I could. I'd play my guitar like you're wishing. Build you a song meant to last through the years But it's washing away on river of tears Under a purple sky I'd sing you a song About our last in But our skies turn in gray And the days change tonight Every time our words twist and turn Into a fight I'd like to ride you if I could play my guitar like you're wishing I would build you a song meant to last through the years it's washing away your river of tears my 
this will be Stars illuminate the night, but our song's almost over. Y'all can eat pizza now. <laughs> you've uh, you've earned the pizza. That wow. was really good. What's the name of the band? The uh, the Roches, the Rochers, the Sisters. The Roches. Sisters. Roches. But spell Roche. Roche, yeah, Roches. <laughs> but yeah, that, like y'all's <laughs> harmonies are are awesome. Kind of Thank remind you. me of them. Yeah, and we are. I I do hasten to remind you that we're at three quarters strength. Elizabeth is amazing lead singer and songwriter, but also amazing background singer and a killer hand percussionist. Like she's just one of the best. Hand percussionist I've ever met. Period. Well, she spent Playing music all day for like thirty years, exercising her hands, doing sign language. <laughs> I know. I guess that's. She was I'm already saying. great before she even did that. When, when are y'all playing next? This Saturday we have a CD release. Party that is a Carol great Pinsation. question, Rhonda. Thank you. <laughs> the Sorry, you should host a podcast. I was like, when? <laughs> the well, CD comes where? out. The CD comes out on Saturday, November seventeenth. Yeah, Carol Pinsation. If Pinsation. you listen to this, if Beautiful. you listen to this after that, the, it's available wherever good downloads are sold. We, we don't and even have it ready for download yet, but we will. We have a Facebook page, and we'll keep people apprised of that. You know, we just only recently got the CDs, and Craig sort of spearheaded a lot of the, not only the recording of it, but also the, the, the logistics of getting the CD together. Well, the song's what absolutely beautiful. That, was an, that really is a bittersweet song. Uh, yes, indeed, Grant. It is. When I the, the river of tears, I have to say say something. I know you have a huge audience out there in the world listening to us, and it made me think about all the people down the shore in Jersey and in the Rockaways in New York, and everybody. You know, I just wanted to say because I know we have a worldwide mm. audience here. It is amazing. Seven years later, what I've forgotten from Katrina. And the water, and it's amazing what I remember, and it gets better. It sometimes doesn't feel like it, but it gets better every day, so hang in there. Yes, and the, f- the pictures look very, very familiar from what we saw here, and uh, it's, it's really heart-wrenching to see that. 
Do you get the sense that most of America has forgotten about the people in New Jersey and Staten Island and so on? Or, I mean, when, when it happened to us, people remembered for a long time. Well, people came here by the thousands to help us. I think this, the, the sad reality is that um, when it happened to us, um, people who didn't, the, the government in power didn't believe that government should help people. And now the government does. So just like in the 90s when FEMA was very effective, FEMA is once again effective and taking care of so much stuff that there's a lot less of the really tragic omissions of aid and awareness by the people who can give direct immediate help. So in a way, we were the, we were the sexy pick because we were so neglected yes. by our own local, right. state, and federal government. So there were people standing in front of a convention center that the government didn't were, was even aware of. So America rallied right. know, around that. So yeah, we America and the world took up the slack of government agencies. And this time, I think we have government agencies that are picking up a lot of the slack. But that doesn't mean we should. I mean, I'm glad Rhonda brought it up because anybody who can help should help, you know, and yes. do what they can. Remy? Yeah, I, I think that they perhaps hopefully learned a lot of things that that we went through with Katrina here in New Orleans. And it seemed, I mean, I used to live in New York City myself, and I, I think that they are um, pretty uh, well prepared. And, and, you know, I know that there are still people up there suffering and, and working through, uh, I mean, just the horrible damage. It, it, it's just, it's devastating. But uh, I think that they were better prepared. We have um, better government uh, agencies in place now working with people in a better way. I think that... Um, Hopefully, nothing like Katrina will happen again in this country ever, or to anyone, because it was it was horrifying what people had to endure. We have to get out of here in about one second. So, Blake, can you end us on an upbeat note? These these <laughs> <laughs> these, these drinks at the uh, Columns Hotel are Woo! fantastic, Delicious. and the food was great. The food was uh, really nice. Pizza. The company was pizza. fabulous. The, I love the company. The music was Wait, awesome. Is there any pizza left, Blake? There's tons. There's tons of pizza left. You guys have been pony space. Romy, have a piece of pizza. Thank you. Guys, thank you so much for joining us here. Oh, thanks for having Happy me Hour. from Fun we've Rock and Ronda. We've come to the end of our show. Can I, can I, we have a, a, special, a special item from Dirty Coast. We have these snitching is bitching shirts. On <laughs> I totally want one, actually. Rhonda Finley was our guest, along with Blake Haney, Caleb Giot, Romy Kay, and Craig Khalifa from Pony Space. Our show was produced by Melinda Hawes, Graham DePonte, Trish Kaufman, and Anoush Karun. With special assistance today from Nicole LaRoque, our associate producer and technical director is Chris Kehoe. Christian Unruh is our music director. Dr. Cliff Brigden is our web designer. And our link to the real world, our theme song was written and is being played currently by Mitch Foreman. If you'd like to be on our show and you can stay upright for approximately an hour, give us a call. Or drop us a line. All the information is on our website. Our show is recorded live at the Collins Hotel. You can check out our other happy hours. There's tons more on our website, along with our other shows on itsneworleans.com. Out to Lunch with Peter Raschuti, live from Commander's Palace. Mindset with psychiatrist Dr. Nick Pajic. True to the Game with Chris True and Tammy Nelson. And Win Win, our show about the New Orleans Vietnamese community. You can keep up with us by liking It's New Orleans on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter. Sign up for our mailing list. And if you're listening to this on iTunes, how about rating and reviewing us? That helps other people find us. Happy Hours, a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. For Mitch Foreman on the piano, I'm Grant Morris. Thanks for joining us. Everybody around here at the table, thanks for joining us on Happy Hours. Thanks, Grant. We'll see you you again back here at the Collins next time on Happy Hours.